Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Welcome. Uh, we are back again. This is episode number 124, if my math is correct, of Linux in the Ham Shack, recorded this February 18th of 2014. And uh, we have the new usual cast of suspects with us tonight. We have me, Russ, K5TUX, and we have Cheryl, uh, without a call sign, from Missouri. Hello. That's a N zero C A L L. That's that's right. It's a November zero. Charlie Alpha Lima Lima. And uh, we also have Pete, who does have a call sign V E two X P L. Hello, Pete. Good day, A. Welcome, friends Good and non friends. Evening, A. <laughs> a. <laughs> a. That's daytime somewhere. Somebody's listening during the day. So that's true. It's five Good o'clock day, somewhere, a. which means I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> Well, we should probably just dive in because it looks like um, there's a lot here, especially in the feedback department. But my first thing is I got a message from Jonathan Nedo. Come on, do it. Jonathan, c'est Jonathan Nedo. Salut, Jonathan. Ça fait plaisir. Cool. On dit cool en français. You know, it's just much. C'est que ça veut dire cool. Okay, what was that? <laughs> I was asking you, it's the same thing in French and in English. You say cool, cool. It's cool. It's cool. So what, how do you say cool? Like when you don't mean like awesome. You mean as in cold? Yeah. C'est froid ou frais ou frisqué. There's a whole bunch of different words. Frisqué, huh? <laughs> uh, well, no, it doesn't translate the same. Frisqué means kind of chilly. I see. Frisky would be another word. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> That's for another episode. Episode 120, uh, 169, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jonathan Nado uh, sent me a message saying he would like us to advertise the Northeast Linux Fest, which is coming up in April of 2014. It will be held at Harvard University again this year in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Directly from the website, I have cribbed this. Uh, the Northeast GNU Linux Fest is an annual event promoting free and open software and hardware. Uh, we have industry leaders present the latest advancements in technology using free software. When you attend Northeast Linux Fest, not only will you learn about the benefits of free software in your life, but how to leverage it in your company, university, or virtualized environment. We welcome people from all levels of free software knowledge, from the novice to the expert in their field. So come and learn, teach, and have a great conversation with like-minded people. Join us and take back control of your computing and software. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Or something. I think this is the fourth annual Northeast Linux Fest, if I'm not mistaken. So if you uh, are in the Cambridge area or can get to the Cambridge area on April 5th of this year, you should attend. I hear it's a good show every year. I wish I could get there, but I can't. Pete, go ahead and tell us about all these nasty things that have been happening. I know. Well, I found uh, the first story. Yeah, it's two, uh, two tragic stories. Just a little quick note as a reminder for uh, everyone to uh, follow proper safety rules when you're 
working on antennas, especially when they're high up in the air. Well, anytime, high up in the air or not. But uh, uh, I found one on QRZ.com, and then Cheryl, uh, Miss Matamu, uh, found another story that was similar. I'm not sure of the source, but uh, Cheryl can chime in there if she wants, of a two uh, tragic uh, antenna and tower accidents. Uh, the first one uh, was a gentleman, 52 years old, in uh, a place called... I, I even don't know how to pronounce this. A T H O L. Athol, I guess. Athol. Athol. That's pretty Didn't. close to an Athol. Yeah. Athol is better than Athol. Athol <laughs> sounds like a hole. I've been to Athol, interestingly. <laughs> okay, ham radio operator loses hands. Hand. He lost one hand and he lost a bunch of his fingers on the other hand in a tragic uh, tower accident. So he was working at a tower on, on his tower. He was about 20 feet up in the air uh, when some of the guy wires uh, gave way and the tower collapsed, pinning him in the air. So this guy was hanging from one of his arms, I'm assuming, uh, 20 feet up in the air. This was a 40 foot tall telescoping tower uh, and the cable snapped and uh, he, uh, he got, he got, uh, got snagged up there, which is pretty tragic. Uh, his wife called 911. Uh, they got him down, but basically he was stuck up there for, for about 45 minutes total. Uh, he was in critical condition. They uh, flew him out to uh, the nearest hospital, I guess, uh, where they operated on him and they amputated one of his hands and uh, took a bunch of his fingers off the other so uh, quite tragic right there and I'm sure he didn't mean to do that but uh, these things do happen and in a related story which was uh, submitted by Cheryl if I can get to this one because they're not in the same place this one was even more tragic uh, fatal West Virginia tower collapse takes out uh, ham radio repeaters Let's see, North Central West Virginia on February 1st. Yes, resulting in three deaths and injuries to two individuals. So also the loss of three amateur radio repeaters. Uh, you know, not as tragic because you can replace repeaters. You can't replace your life. Never like to hear these things. Unfortunately, you hear them way too often. So I just wanted to, you know, I, I won't harp on these, but I just wanted to... Uh, talk about it for five minutes just to remind you guys uh, safety 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 first when you're working on antennas whether it be up in the air down on the ground it doesn't matter uh there's risk of, of falling off towers there's risk of towers falling on you uh there's risk of of electrocution um you, you can hang yourself i mean you can do anything up there uh so please 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 be careful when you're working on your antennas springtime is coming soon antenna season is going to be upon us There'll be lots of people up there so so, uh, you know, be careful. Be careful out there, kids. Important safety tip. As a weird but cogent transition from antenna tragedies <laughs> to antenna <laughs> magazines. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> this is something I found. Uh, let's see. Uh, actually, you're not sure where I found it. I think this was on QRZ. Also, uh, a free online magazine called the Anten Top, which is kind of a strange name, but uh, I, I wasn't aware of this. This magazine is uh, published by Igor Grigorov. Uh, his call sign is Victor Alpha 3 Zulu November Whiskey. Fellow Canadian. Uh, he's out of uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So the next province over. Toronto is about uh, six, seven hours drive from uh, where I am to the west. He's been publishing this uh, free online magazine since uh, July 12th, 2003. Uh, it's uh, it seems to be a little bit sporadic, uh, having uh, three or four issues uh, every year. Some years uh, more than others, uh, but he's just released. Uh, 
well, he on, the, the story on QRZ was that he released uh, the latest version of this, but then when I downloaded the uh, magazine, I, I noticed that it was dated 2013, January 2013. So I'm assuming that's just a typo, or he's just really, really late posting on QRZ. But anyways, uh, whatever it is, Igor, uh, good on you. Uh, free online magazine uh, devoted to antennas and amateur radios. Of course, it's on the web. You can get this at... Uh, antentop.org so triple dub dot a-n-t-e-n-t-o-p dot org and uh, there you will see uh, basically uh, every magazine that he's put out been about 15 or 16 issues put out uh, since 2003 so uh, about one year I guess but uh, anyhow I uh, downloaded the latest version what he claims is the latest version or maybe that's just what it is maybe it's dated 2013 and it's just stories that he's gathered since the beginning of 2013 and he puts them out the following year not 100% but anyways um, and just uh, various little stories on, on antennas um, amplifiers repeaters stuff like that so uh, it's uh, interesting and uh, more interestingly it's free so uh, that's always a good thing yeah absolutely free resources for the ham radio operator excellent I actually have a, a story that branches off from the story you're about to talk about here uh, for SWLs. And uh, if anybody knows what SWLs are, if you know, that's great. If you don't, you're about to find out. Do you want to talk about uh, it? Do you want me I to have, talk about it? I thought you said you had something to say before. Uh, no, no, no. I have something to say after. Oh, you have something to say after. Okay. Yeah. For those of you who are into your uh, mobile devices, I found a online resource for uh, apps for ham radio and SWLs and SWLing. It says and apps for hams and SWLs at SWLing post, which I don't really get. But anyways, um, SWLs are shortwave listeners. For those of you who did not know that, and I came across this quite by accident on one of the uh, either on QRZ and one of the uh, Linux websites because I really didn't write down the source of course being organized the way I am but I was looking for amateur radio related apps for their smartphones and tablets now have a place to go to learn what's available so basically it's an aggregator of all your apps for ham radios and SWL so uh, online SWL post has printed a rundown of some of the amateur radio apps that are currently available uh, so you can go to tinyurl.com slash ham-radio-apps and when you click on that link you will find uh, everything from uh, let's see, ham radio apps so amateur radio exam preps uh, uh, there's two or three of those uh, some are free, some have a cost apps are usually, you know, two, three, four bucks so it's, it's not uh, uh, you know crazy expensive uh, they have stuff for iOS stuff for Android uh, when you go to the link you'll see it specifies which are for Android which are for iOS some are for both uh, you know stuff like Echolink uh, uh, you have a repeater directory a repeater book which is cool that's an absolutely free one uh, you know so you don't for those of you who always wanted to get the ARRL version but didn't want to pay the 20 or 30 bucks or whatever it's worth and and uh, and I did, and and it's a good resource, the ARRL one. But at the same time, ARRL does what they can to update their repeater book. But if 
um, clubs don't send them the information, then some of the uh, uh, some of the resources are are no longer um, so some of the information is no longer valid, unfortunately. So you may as well get a free one. Not that I have anything against the ARRL's repeated directory, but free is better. Uh, QRZ call sign search, uh, you, know, you know, PSK31, Hal Schreiber, uh, ISS detector, APRS droid. Uh, Whisper Watch. I mean, there's a little bit of everything. Ham Radio Reference, Ham Radio Tools, Logging Software, Morse Software, Muff Predictor, which I just think is a funny name. Uh, DX Clusters, Soda Stuff, and then all kinds of uh, SWL apps, uh, short, Shortwave Broadcast Schedule, Global Tuners, I mean, Weather, SSTV. Uh, scanners. There's just there's just so many. I'm just I'm, I'm scrolling down reading them, and it's just like it's just blowing my mind seeing uh, all the stuff that they have. So, a uh, good resource for those of you who are into your mobile devices, uh, as I am. I have uh, you know quite a few um, uh, different apps on my uh, you know some of the more popular ones, uh, of course, Echolink, uh, APRS. Uh, but I've discovered some that I was not aware of. So uh, I uh, think you guys should uh, check it out if you want. Uh, tinyurl.com slash ham-radio-apps with an S, with a sibilant S. And uh, that uh, tiny URL will be in the show notes. Excellent. And uh, Yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah, it is a very cool one. And the thing I wanted to follow up on that was I looked at some of the applications that I mentioned and one of them I found that was really cool and I th- think might be useful for both folks who are ham radio operators and those who aren't is the one called Global Tuners. It's available for iOS and for Android, and I lost my page saying whether it was free or not. It is free. Um, I found my page. What's really cool about it is it's based on the Global Tuners website. Now, if you go to the Global Tuners website, you can sign up for a free account, which I did. And I have not actually received my authorization yet, so I can't actually use the site. But if you sign up and get the authorization from the moderator to use the site, then what it does is it aggregates a bunch of web SDR equipment. So it's a sort of one-stop shop for shortwave radios, shortwave receivers, and transceivers located all over the world. And you can, from the website, you can go there and listen to radios from all over the world. Um, You can do that to, like, listen to your own signal to see if you're propagating to a certain place. Or you can do it simply to listen to what's out there, whether it be a shortwave broadcast or a ham radio transmission or whatever. And you can do that from lots of different places. And, of course, then... It translates to the mobile apps, where if you have an iPhone or an Android device, you can get the free app and use your Global Tuners account to tune radios to any frequency that they're capable of listening to anywhere in the world. So, And you can do this even if you're not an am, uh, a ham radio operator because it's just receive only. It's just listening. So anyone can do that. So even if you don't have any equipment except for the computer or smartphone that you already own, you can see what it's like and what, what you know a ham radio transmission or a shortwave broadcast sounds like if this is something you've never done before. And of course, for this, a, lot, a lot of hams have come from SWLing too, so which is interesting. It's a good way to get an, a taste for it. Right, and just to see if you're interested in in what a, a transmission is like. You can hear what people talk about. And even if you're just like eavesdropping, you can do that as well. 
kind of a cool resource and of course it's entirely free the website's free you just have to sign up for an account you have to give them like your name and where you're from but no credit card no personal information no passwords and all that kind of stuff so it's easy to do doesn't cost a thing and uh, you can take it with you when you're out on the road someplace so pretty cool and that's all i had to say about that So, uh, Cheryl put this one into the Etherpad, so she's going to get to talk about it. Um, Yeah, I actually found that one, too, and I decided to skip it. But uh, go ahead, Cheryl. That's cool. Yeah, I I thought it was cool, too. That's why I put it in there. So here we go. Okay, well, the story that I found is going to space. Send your name to Asteroid Bennu. says, if you've ever wanted to fly vicariously into space, now is your chance. NASA is inviting people around the world, including ham radio operators, to submit their names to be etched on a microchip that will be aboard the spacecraft headed to Bennu in 2016. The messages to Bennu microchip will travel uh, to the asteroid aboard the Origin Spectral Interpretation Resource Identification Security Regolith Explorer spacecraft. And yeah, okay. <laughs> the robotic mission We'll spend more than two years at the asteroid, which has a width of only about 1,760 feet. The spacecraft will collect a sample of Bennu's surface and return it to the Earth. And if you want to do this, the deadline to submit your name online is September 30th, 2014. Participants who submit their names to the Messages to Bennu campaign will be able to print a certificate of appreciation to document your involvement. Uh, To submit your name for inclusion on the mission, please take your web browser to planetary.org slash Bennu. While there, there are no instructions as to how to include your call sign, but you can put it just right after your last name. Uh, The sound sound effects. The dogs are playing. They do this every time the podcast is going on. And I was like, I should shut up and just mute it and let Russ. (laughs) No, that's that's great. I can hear her squeaking her stupid duck or whatever she's got there. <laughs> oh, she has her zebra. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a great juxtaposition of, uh, you know, putting your name into space on a microchip to squeak, 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 squeak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's actually the uh, sound that the spaceship is going to make as it's flying through space. So maybe you don't want to be on it. Why, why are they going to this planet if it's only like 1,700 feet? Like the spaceship's bigger than that. Well, because they want to find out i guess what the asteroid's made out of that's the only thing i could figure so go to the moon that's an asteroid they could and they could send a microchip to the moon instead so but see we've already been to the moon so i think the idea behind out of it yeah i think the idea behind the asteroid is that it has a much wider orbit so that once they drop this explorer onto the asteroid and it heads back out into deep space then the chances of someone intercepting it might be higher than someone coming across the moon but honestly i think in the global scale the chances are pretty much identical you gotta start somewhere yeah i guess so i don't know don't you want to go to an asteroid and uh study the regolith i would like to go to space just you know i'd go just because it's, it would be cool it would be, be a cool. neat ride but this this is an interesting story because they did this a few years ago as well and i can't 
can't remember for the life of me where this thing was going, but uh, they put a, a bunch of ham radio operators' names on a microchip as well, and uh, they put a Morse code message, and they were sending it somewhere. I can't remember where. I'd have to find that. And me and my family actually all put in our names, and we got these certificates saying, uh, you know, thank you for contributing to the NASA, blah, blah, blah. And so it was this kind of neat thing. The kids really liked it because, you know, their names are in space now, and, and it's just kind of a, it's just a cool thing to do if you have a few minutes to shoot an email to to nasa yeah that is kind of cool the thing is if you've ever looked up your own name like on facebook you find that you're not alone (laughs) some people are because i find a lot of information on some people on facebook or others if you if you put in my name my name is pierre landry landry in the maritimes is like smith i mean there's millions of us so nobody can find anything on me if you do my call sign however that's a different thing you can find all kinds of crazy crap well, of course, when you're talking about unique identifiers, but your name is hardly a unique identifier, which is what I'm saying. If you, uh, yes, there'll be a certificate of your name being on a microchip um, out on asteroid menu, but of course, that doesn't necessarily identify you. No, that, yes, the aliens won't be able to find you that easily. That's well, maybe right. They can't. Maybe their computers are better than ours. Maybe the uh, Danunians are, uh, you know, an advanced race. Hopefully, they're better than the NSA. that can't be very hard can it no (laughs) i don't know i'm not going to speculate i'm not going to say bad things about the nsa they're listening to you yeah i know that's right they're already in my head okay well that's it have it off that's why they're in my head (laughs) okay i think (laughs) so you're going to take that out right take what out the whole squeaky noise thing that i just did no i'm not going to take the whole thing out i'm going to leave the post discussion too so everyone knows what it was too (laughs) it gives the podcast some charm exactly people love our podcast nobody else has squeaky toys in their podcast that's true (laughs) nobody else probably has russ's three very absurd very irritating west island white terriers that i I would hope nobody else has them i would be (laughs) pretty sure that trust me they would send them back if they did have them (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure they're sweet. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they're when sweet they sometimes when they want to be. All right. Well, I'm going to let More you do that. the music because I don't. I have not listened to these tracks, so if they suck, it's entirely Pete's fault. So if the music you hear is not actually what he introduces, it's because I hate them. I uh, can't introduce this. I emailed this to you like hours ago, and you didn't put them in the show notes. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Email now. You introduce them. All right, I'll introduce them. This song was submitted by Pete. Um, it's called In My Head uh, by a group called Less X More, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And, and that's a good segue with the NSA thing. I have not heard this. It might suck. It might not. We'll find out in the next few seconds. It doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. All right. Well, you say it doesn't suck. I've, I've not liked some of your picks. So I rock <laughs> and roll. This is a group from France. <laughs> Uh, came out early this year, so it's a very, very new song. So we're going to listen to it. Uh, It's called In My Head, and we'll be back in uh, five and a half minutes to uh, talk about whether it sucked or not.
Rock and roll! This just won't end. Won't end. Won't end. Won't end. Won't end. Man, Just kidding. It was pretty good. <laughs> no, that was awesome. I like that one. It struck a chord with me too. And uh, since it was relatively new music, I thought, because quite often I kind of peruse Gemendo and I find stuff, find stuff that I like. It doesn't really matter if it's new or old, but um, it's always nice to have some uh, newer content in there. So that was released uh, late in 2013. And uh, I just, uh, I just uh, clicked. So thought it was cool. Yeah. I like that one. Thought actually, share. it has a, it yeah, had a nice. I knew you would like that. Yes. 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 I know. You're so smart. Um, I am. <laughs> So let's move on and uh, talk about a couple of Linux distributions. Yay! Yeah, well, we talked about a whole bunch of ham radio stuff, so now we figured, uh, actually, segment one was almost all, except for uh, the uh, Northeast Linux Fest, was almost all ham radio stuff. So let's hop into Linux now. Yes, let's do that. I just got a thing, or I found somewhere, I don't know that I got something, but somewhere it came to my attention that KB1 OIQ, Andy, he has had for a couple of years now his Andy's Ham Radio Linux distribution, which is a respin of Ubuntu. The previous version was based on Ubuntu 13, but apparently he's taken his his version and put out version 14 of it December 17th of last year. 
and it basically looks a lot like straight up Ubuntu, but he uses the IceWM window manager as opposed to Unity or any of the other heavyweight desktop environments. So it can run on lighter weight machinery, even though it is Ubuntu at its heart. And of course, it includes a bunch of ham radio software pre-installed. Things like FLDigi, NBEMS, GPredict, XCWCP, XLog, CQRLog, FLRig, uh, VoaCap, Zaster, GEDA, lots of stuff that you know and love for ham radio software. Does it have like a lot or does it have like crazy a lot, like, like insanely too much that you would never use? I don't know that it's like Shackbox Insane. I think it tends to be more towards the stuff that is a typical user's range of tools as opposed to just everything in the kitchen sink. Right, which is good because when you have everything in the kitchen sink, you end up with like this crazy heavy distribution that you can only install on your latest and greatest machine that none of us hams or language people can afford anyways. Right. Well, down at the bottom here, he gives the specs that you should use on the machine that you want to run this on, and he says it will run on a one gigahertz CPU with 512 megs of RAM. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty old machine these days. Pretty much run yeah, on anything. But, but at the same time, when they say that quite often, that's the basic, you know, that the lowest common denominator and you don't necessarily want to do that. You can, if you have to, but how efficient is it? You know, we'll have to try and see, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. And like I said, I didn't get a chance to try it, but he said this newer version also comes with some additional stuff like GNU Radio Companion, QUISK, or QUISK, Direwolf, FreeDV, uh, WSJTX, and MicroFox 15 Config, which I'm not even sure what that is. But apparently it's ham radio software and it means something to somebody. Maybe I should spend three seconds here looking it up. MicroFox <laughs> 15 is a um, software-defined radio, and that is apparently software for configuring it. I had no idea there was such a thing as the Micro Fox 15, but you know what? That's probably on the radar for next episode. <laughs> now you know. Yep, now we know. And now you'll know. Even we learn stuff on this podcast from ourselves. Absolutely. That's how informative this podcast is. I know. We even teach ourselves something. We, we talk about stuff we don't know about well, that's all the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of new software. Apparently, there's some updates, bug fixes from the underlying OS. And, of course, we sort of gave you the specs. There's a 32 and a 64-bit version based on uh, whatever version of Ubuntu he used to respin. And, of course, you can get this at SourceForge, sourceforge.net, stroke projects, stroke KB1OIQ-Andy'sHam. I'm going to get this downloaded and perhaps... We will get a uh, like a review, like a full full on look at Andy's ham radio distribution for next episode, which would probably be more useful than you know the last five minutes you just wasted. So well, um, no, it's not wasted because you talk about it, and then all of our listeners can go down and download it and play with it too. So then when we talk about it, they'll say, "Yeah, I did that." Sounds good. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's an, uh, I've heard of Zorin OS. We're going to, we're going to transition into our next bit of software, which is a Zorin OS, another Ubuntu respin. This one has a lot more to it though. And I've heard of this before and I've heard of other ham radio, uh, not ham radio. I've heard of other Linux shows that have talked about it, but I have not investigated it myself. 
So uh, Pete put this in the Etherpad, I believe. So we're going to let him talk about Zorin OS. Yeah, Zorin OS 8. I, unlike Russ, had not heard of Zorin OS. And um, I saw this on uh, one of the uh, Linux news aggregators. Uh, the source is uh, everydaylinuxuser.com for those of you who want to check it out. And the tagline or the, um, the title of the article is uh, Zorin OS 8, more like Windows 7 then Windows 7. So, of course, that caught my eye. I thought that was kind of interesting. And like many stories, I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. You know, how stupid is that? And then I go in and read, and I'm like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. And and what I thought made a lot of sense was, why, why would you make a Linux distribution that looks like Windows? And then I thought, well, why not? For the new user, for people who are afraid to try a Linux distribution because they think it's going to be so different that they won't understand what they're doing... Why not make it look familiar and have an easy transition from Windows or any other OS that you might want into uh, Linux? So um, I thought this was this was just brilliant. So uh, this Zorin OS 8, uh, available in 32 and 64-bit, of course. Uh, you can uh, go to uh, zorin-os.com. Uh, it's, it's a free download, of course. There's two versions currently available, uh, version 8, virgin. <laughs> virgin, oh, <my>. yes. <laughs> Version 8, uh, there are the uh, core version and the educational version. I uh, kind of poked around the software and I couldn't see what the difference was, the differences were between core and educational. And because I only found this story today, I didn't have time to download and play with it. But I, I really want to. I think it would be a, an interesting uh, thing to play with. But um, So if you have a computer that's a little light on resources, they even have a uh, Zorin OS 6 Lite, which... Uh, uh, can run on your older machines. So this, uh, they claim, is uh, uh, deploys a familiar-looking desktop on top of Ubuntu, so another uh, Ubuntu-based uh, distribution. And they claim that to avoid complications, you should. Uh, they recommend you download it using either Google Chrome or Firefox. And the reason for that is that they uh, say that other browsers uh, may corrupt the file and cause errors. So they also strongly advise that you do a full install of Zorin OS to enjoy its full potential. Uh, they say that some features are less stable in the live mode, and a lot of live CDs you, you don't get the uh, you know the, the full uh, the full flavor of, of the distribution. Uh, very often anyway so uh, I thought this was kind of interesting I apologize uh, for finding this so late because I really do want to go download it and, and poke around and play with it to see um, it's a Ubuntu based distribution so it's got to be pretty easy to use and install as far as I'm concerned most Ubuntu you know many many new Linux newbies uh, come in through Ubuntu or Mint anyways and Mint is, is basically a Ubuntu at its core anyways so uh, I thought uh, that was rather interesting, and um, I, there's if you go to the website, you'll see some screenshots, and, and it is very Windows-esque. So uh, I have nothing against Windows. Like I said, I thought it would be a cool way to make a, an easy transition for those who uh, might fear the unknown. So I don't know. What do you know about Zorin? You say you've you've uh, you're familiar with it. Have you had a chance to play with the earlier uh, versions of it or anything, Russ? Uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't say I was familiar with it. I said I've heard of it, <laughs> which doesn't make oh, me familiar with it at all. No, I, I have no experience with it other than it's an Ubuntu respin. And I am in the process of downloading it right now. I actually came across Ooh. the the bug there, as it were, with downloading it and having a corrupted file because 
it uh, got to about 168 megs downloaded of its 1.6 gig size and then corrupted. But interestingly, I was using Ice Weasel to do it, which is Firefox, and it's still corrupted. So now I'm downloading it with Google Chromium, which ought to be interesting because Chromium is not entirely chrome either yeah, that's right um so let's see if that corrupts it but that's anyway cool. well, they... it's in process so we'll see how that goes and i'm definitely going to try it out because it looks interesting and uh speaking of windows i don't know that if you're familiar with my other show but i do another show by myself called tech and loathing and i just put out an, an episode again for the first time in 15 months so i'm not even sure you were hosting the show when i was doing that last I wasn't, but I was familiar with uh, your Tech and Loathing podcast. So there's a new episode that just came out uh, about that or of that, and my I titled it Microsoft Wins, and it uh, <laughs> it talks about things like uh, the Microsoft UI and stuff that looks like Microsoft and whether or not they can have the market or have the market already, um, like in its entirely 100% monopoly. If you're interested in my thoughts on that, maybe you should go check it out anyway. And if you're a member of the Black Sparrow Media Network, you are, you get that in your feed anyway. So some people may have already heard it. I had like two or 300 listeners once upon a time. I think I have like one now, and it's probably me. Well, if you only put out a show every like 15 months, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, it was a little more frequent than that, but it kind of went away for a little while. But now it'll be back every two weeks. So uh, anyway, enough about that. I see that somebody put something in here about this uh, about this Ubuntu thing, uh, the Ubuntu community or the Ubuntu panel or whatever the hell they're calling themselves, um, requiring licenses for, for derivative distributions. Who put this in there? Was that you? Nope, it's not me. Must have been Mike. It was me. Oh, it was you. Okay, good. Yeah, all the stuff that I had listed over there at the side, that was part of the stuff. If you want to go ahead and read this, go ahead and do that because I don't really know anything about it. I don't know much about it either. I just found that and thought it was kind of interesting. It is interesting. It's all the talk. It's the talk of the town right now. So we should probably report on it, even if we don't know anything about it, which has never stopped us before. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess I can read it. So Um, the story that I found was Ubuntu licenses Linux men and other derivatives. And it says the Ubuntu Community Council has issued a statement regarding Canonical's requirement that binary redistributions, such as Linux Mint, obtain a license from Canonical. We believe there is no ill will against Linux Mint from either the Ubuntu community community, excuse me, or Canonical, and that Canonical does not intend to prevent them from continuing their work, and that this license is to help ensure that. What Linux Mint does is appreciated, and we want to see them succeed, end quote. There is no real discussion on what is being licensed. It would appear to be a fairly mundane trademark issue, stemming from the fact that Linux Mint distributes binary packages taken directly from the Ubuntu repository. So I don't know if that summarizes the story adequately to tell what this is really all about, but it may have something to do with the things like Debian. There was a, there was a story recently about Debian getting all, or apparently not, but there was some consternation about Debian getting bent out of shape about other projects using the name Debian in their projects, like naming websites as some, you know, Debian dot, you know, some other project.com or something like that. And apparently there was a strongly worded letter of, you know, cease and desist type letter to some projects to stop using Debian in any way. 
uh, to not associate themselves with Debian. And I wonder if this is the same kind of thing. It's the, the project saying, well, we don't mind if you use Ubuntu, just don't make it look as if Ubuntu is in some way sponsoring or responsible or advocating that particular project. And that may be what this is all about, but I honestly don't know. That's kind of what this sounds like, but I I didn't really know that I didn't really realize that Ubuntu had such a I, I bet they didn't. I bet when they started out this was all like, you know, Linux Mint is great and everybody who wants to take our stuff and distribute it is is cool because that's sort of what open source and free software is all about. And then they hired a lawyer and the lawyer's like, Oh no, you know, you gotta make sure you protect your brand and blah 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 and yeah, you know lawyers ruin everything. Yeah, I think I think that's probably what's going on here. But uh interesting story though, everyone's talking about it. Let me check the chat room. See if anybody, uh, see if anybody's saying well, about Gnorm- it. Gnorman's saying something. Okay, KB KB three CS in the chat room says yes, brand protection exactly. So apparently that's what it's all about. Um, I'd be interested to look at the the text of the license that they're making Linux Mint and the other distros sign. I think that's what the real problem is. I don't is I don't know what they're asking the other projects to do. So I don't understand what the problem is. Um, if there is a problem. Uh, but I guess if you want to research that, you can go ahead and check it out. Apparently, it's all over the interwebs everywhere. Uh, just look up Ubuntu Community Council and licensing. It's on LWN. It's on Slashdot. You'll you'll find it. It's out there. A link to it has been posted in the chat room, and that will be in the show notes. So you now know where you can go directly to it. And it's a long URL, so I'm not going to read it. All right. I think we're done, unless you've got anything else to, to bring up before we do our next bit of music. Nope. All right, and uh, I see that you've uh, music in the etherpad. Yep, I see you got it. So you can go ahead and talk about it. All right, the next uh, tune that I came across is a little bit different from what we uh, usually play, but I it's a little energetic, so I thought it had a, a good vibe for tonight. Uh, the tune is called "Breathe In, Breathe Out" from the album uh, Uncovered. Uh, the band is Singleton. This was also a recent uh, publication. This is, uh, dates back to uh, just uh, last October, 2013. Uh, the band is from uh, Kiev in the Ukraine. And it lasts uh, four minutes and ten seconds. So two uh, somewhat longer tracks tonight, too. So uh, we hope uh, you enjoy Breathe In, Breathe Out by Singleton.
So what do you think about that one, Russ? Not bad. I, I seem I seem to see a pattern. You you tend to like the bands that have uh, female vocalists. That seems to happen a lot. <laughs> I do. I love I love female vocalists, especially good ones. I don't like the badger ones. <laughs> well, that's good. Yes, most people don't like the badger music. <laughs> I I like um I like a rock a female rock singer with a powerful voice. I I'm very attracted to that. I must admit. In the in the chat room during the song, KB3CS uh, was talking about Zorin OS, and he says Zorin yeah, Zorin OS duplicates the Windows experience quite well. To upgrade a Zorin version, you must reinstall from scratch. They claim that you have to install from scratch, anyways. Yeah, and you probably should. If they, if someone says nuke and pave, you should probably take that advice. All right, we have a ton. I mean, a ton, a metric badger ton. Because we didn't do any last time. <laughs> yeah. Of feedback. So let's plow on. First one is a comment via Google Plus, our uh, Linux in the Hamshack Google Plus community. If you have not already signed up for that, you should do so. From Grunge Monkey. He says, I'm a relatively new listener, but I really love your show. Yeah, we love you, Grunge Monkey. <laughs> yes, we love you. We're groupies. Grunge Monkey groupies. That's a good groupie to be. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, actually. Uh, I am not a ham yet, but I am interested in amateur radio and very interested in Linux. I like to hear about both in your podcasts. Anyway, I was listening to this episode, uh, to this episode, and I'm not sure which episode is referring to, but anyway, and I wanted to comment on the hobby electronics subject you guys talked about. I recently purchased a Raspberry Pi and several Arduino boards for the university I work for. I would have to say that there is a lot of people using the Arduino platform for prototyping as well as just hobby stuff. The Pi is great as an all-in-one device for both software-oriented projects and some hardware projects as well. The Arduino, on the other hand, is really geared towards hardware developers. Actually, my senior capstone project for my bachelor's degree in 2010 was all based on Arduino. It was a GPS-following autonomous vehicle made from an old RC car. I just wanted to let you know about the Arduino platform, or let you know that the Arduino platform is very versatile in the hardware development world. I know you guys did a little comparison of the Pi versus the BeagleBone Black, and I also wanted to mention another device that is very new on the market. It is called the Udo, U-D-O-O. I am not affiliated with them at all, but their board is really cool. I got to purchase the Udo Quad for my school. It might be Udo, actually, now that I think about it. But anyway, it is basically four Raspberry Pis and an Arduino Due all on one board, complete with gigabit Ethernet, Wi-Fi, and lots of other stuff. It is about three times the price of the Pi, but worth every penny, in my opinion. And, of course, it runs Linux. I can't wait to see what our students and other geeky electronic enthusiasts will do with things like this. Thanks for a great show and for your insight into the Linux and amateur radio worlds. Cool. Very nice feedback. And I think one of these next couple of episodes we do, I'm going to start looking at some of these newer computers because I've got more feedback that I'm not sure is going to make it into this show about other single board computers like the BeagleBone Black and the Raspberry Pi and the Udo. Apparently there are lots of them popping up lately and it might be look uh, nice to look at them uh, in comparison and contrast uh, because a lot of uh, you know tinkerers and hobbyists and ham radio enthusiasts and Linux enthusiasts alike are, are into these kind of boards and for you know prototyping and building and kits and uh, all kinds of projects that they have in mind. So it might be nice to see which of these might be best or best suited for a particular project or something. So we should probably take a, a more in-depth look at them. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say any of them are best, like you said. 
they all have their their qualities for different applications. I actually wasn't familiar with the Udo. Mike uh, in 2HTT posted the uh, uh, link to uh, udo.org uh, in the uh, in the chat room. We'll put that in the show notes. So uh, thanks a lot. And he says that uh, Udo allows you to switch between Linux and Android in a few seconds, simply by replacing the micro SD card and rebooting the system. So that's kind of interesting, right there. And uh, I'm actually not surprised that we have all these. You know, the Pi was the first one to come out, and then followed uh, various other devices. But considering their versatility, their low cost, and and just the the, the geeky tech appeal, um, I think we'll be seeing more and more of these uh, uh, popping up. You know, for for various applications, and all of them probably do have, uh, or not probably, but all of these things do have their place on the market for whatever it is you want to do you know so the pie is better for certain things than the beagle bone and and i'm sure that you do uh, as well so um uh, good on them and and uh, thanks to uh, grunge monkey for uh, turning us on to that i think that'd be an interesting uh, an interesting show topic to do some comparisons yeah i think so too and hopefully we'll get to that uh next we had a couple of emails from uh timo arasanen and you actually handled these, but uh, I'll go ahead and read them. I, I I sort of omitted your replies and stuff like that just so we could kind of get through these. Yeah, that's fine. Um, he says, uh, hello, Russ and Richard. And he says that because he actually went back and started listening from episode one. So uh, good on you, Timo. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing, actually. So we're oh, brothers. Good on you, Pete. Actually, Timo V2 TDR uh, lives uh, probably about an hour and a half from here. And Harrison wanted me to mention that he was on his doorstep uh, visiting a submarine uh, recently. So I, I didn't forget Harrison. Okay. All <laughs> already there. Yeah. So uh, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, hello, Russ and Richard. Just for you, Richard, I named Russ first. Hi. And that goes back to something many, many episodes ago. Anyway, I am a relatively new fanboy of Linux in the Ham Shack. Jerry Taylor of the Practical Amateur Radio podcast put your show in my radar's PPI, interesting, a bit before Christmas 2013. I chose to start at the beginning, even if you were at episode 118. I needed to start at the beginning with Linux since I haven't touched it since 2000 or so, and even then I didn't get into it for long. Your show is exactly what I needed to get me into it in a much bigger way. I now fully understand free as in speech. I expect I'll stick with Linux now for the long run. All right. Very cool. It's exactly what we're here for. That's enough rambling for now. On to my point. The MP3 version of episode 84 seems to have a problem. I get your podcast through iTunes, but tried the version on the website as well as both oh, as well. And both end abruptly at exactly 21 minutes. I have managed to listen to the rest of the podcast by using the AUG feed on my son's notebook computer. Just wanted to let you know in order to check if there is a problem. I will continue to listen to your episodes and hope to be up to date before the end of February 2014. If I hear you read this after episode 121, which we are doing, I will know that I'm almost caught up. Take care from Timo in Ramuski, uh, Republic of Quebec, <laughs> Secessionist <laughs> Republic of Quebec, uh, Canada, 73 day VE2 TDR. Oh, and I usually do the thing, Victor Echo 2, Tango Delta Romeo. So thank you, Timo, for that. And uh, we have more from Timo. More, 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 more. Uh, He also says, go ahead. I had had written him saying, yeah, I checked it out. You're right. I've emailed Russ, and then Russ dealt with it. So carry on. Right. And I fixed it. So 84 is fixed for anyone who's back that far. Uh, Thanks to the update. uh, Thanks to the update. Thanks for the update, Pete. I'm up to episode 96, which was titled Worst Episode Ever. Ever. 
Uh, so it shouldn't be much longer before I'm up to date. I wonder why he paused at that one. Anyway, uh, at 2x, it would be faster, but I prefer listening at the normal rate. It's a shame Richard chose to stop. But if that was what was best for him, then it had to be. I've had to make a similar choice at the end of 2012, so I understand fully. I look forward to listening to his last few episodes with LHS. I also look forward to hearing how things develop and your debut, Timo. It's, it almost sounds like you wanted to say something there. No. No? Okay. Good. Probably just breathing. Still alive. Sorry. Breathe in. Breathe I, I usually, out. I, it's because I usually mute. <laughs> I know. It's like... You know, so hack there, and cough, and I just hadn't done it that time. There was actually noise, so it sounded like you wanted to talk. <laughs> uh, usually you start talking before I can hear you. So we have one more from Timo. Uh, he says, Russ, no problem. Only solutions waiting to be implemented. My coworker has started listening from episode one, so I let him know about the fix for episode 84. I'm up to episode 112 now, so I should be caught up before the end of the month, even with the Winter Olympics. From what I have heard so far since episode 103, I believe Pete is a good successor to Richard. Episodes 101 and 102 had me worried that the style would change drastically. But in the infinite wisdom of Russ, little does he know, (laughs) you chose a successor that would preserve the style without trying to imitate Richard. The change is noticeable, but not detrimental to the survival of the show. That's good news. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have I don't have Richard's drawl, his Texas drawl, anyway, so I couldn't even try to uh, imitate. Right, nor y'all. could I. Yeah, y'all. More fun shooting guns in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am writing this in my present, it is quite in the past for you. Who said time travel is not possible? Seven three day Victor Echo two Tango Delta Romeo. Oh, neat. I had not seen that email, so I'm I'm happy to hear, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that I'm uh, pleasing at least uh, one of our listeners. So uh, very good, you, and, and had, I'm having having great fun doing this too. You've had high marks from several listeners, so it's not just one so, episode. That's my 21st episode officially. Yes, I know. 21st anniversary. <laughs> so actually, technically, isn't it your 22nd because you were on 103? Oh no, no, it's, yeah, it's 22nd. This would be your 22nd. We have a comment on episode number 121 from Johnny Kinsey, who says, Now, if you really want something special, you can try this guy out. Uh, And here's where I reference one of those other boards that I was talking about that we need to review. Uh, This apparently is the Olamex, the Oluxino. Uh, It is a neat concept for a project to be completely open source for both software and hardware. Uh, this is one of the things we will talk about in a future episode and the link to it, which is long and involved and, in, you know, has like mixed cap letters and everything. So it's impossible to read. will be in the show notes. Uh, so thanks Johnny for that. He, uh, he also has another comment on episode 122, a little further down. So I'm going out of order. Uh, take note, everyone going hold out on, of order. Hold on. If you have a link and there's capital letters and minuscule letters, does it really matter? It does. You don't have to put the capitals in, do you? Yes, you do. Anything after the anything after the host name is case sensitive in a URL. Really? Really? So the host name is not, but everything else is. That is correct. I did not know that. Oh, wow. Boy, we actually put out some something someone didn't know on the show. <laughs> and see. it's one of the hosts. I'm going to try. <laughs> I don't believe you. I'm right. I've been doing Page this not a while. found. Woo! He's right. He's right, people. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. I you know, I know. I try, I just I had no idea. I I really honestly never would have thought of that. That's pretty dumb. Well, I'm glad you know now. <laughs> probably, oh, yeah, I'm glad I know now too. There's probably a bunch of different pages in the past you couldn't find because you didn't bother with the shift key. <laughs> Most likely. So 
Anyways, carry on. Johnny's comment on episode 122 is, there is a link on DistroWatch that has the 10 most popular distros, and many of the others are based on these most popular distros. And I'm actually not remembering what that was in reference to, but we must have been talking about releases or something. So anyway, thanks for the comment, Johnny. And uh, I see by the... uh, the donations and stuff down below that he has recently become a yearly subscriber. So woohoo! thank you, Johnny, for all of your contributions to our program. Comment from uh, Bob Chandler, a fellow Canuck, Victor Echo 3, Sierra Radio Echo from the uh, next province over. Uh, There's a lot of E3s in Canada because Ontario is one of the most populated provinces. So uh, it's not surprising. Anyhow, he says, uh, hey, guys, uh, that wasn't a rant. It was just... Me being normal. When I'm ranting, I'm much worse laughing out loud. Keep up the good work. And I've sent along a donation, 73. I have no idea what he's referring to. What, what is this rant that he's referring to? It was a feedback email that he sent uh, one or two episodes ago about his thoughts on like software freedom and stuff like that was one I right of course how could i forget i i kind of skimmed over it instead of reading the whole thing because it was very long and very involved and so uh uh, that was that well a rant i mean a rant isn't necessarily a bad thing i mean a a rant is just basically a a bunch of of thoughts you could call them a you know i I don't look at it as a bad thing rants rants can be good can be you know construed as constructive criticism absolutely sure we'll go with that we'll go with that yep Alrighty then. Yeah, thanks, Bob. That's very cool. Thanks, Bob. Uh, next, uh, from our Google Plus community, uh, Ryan Frederick, KD0TSZ, Kilo Delta Zero, Tango, Sierra Zulu. I say that just because I need the practice. Uh, has anyone used mini modem to do RTTY over VHF, UHF? Question mark. I'm a tech with a couple of uh, handhelds, and I'm interested in getting a couple of cables to try this out. Is it worthwhile? I have no idea if anybody's uh, tried that, I, and I don't know if you do either. I do not know, and I'm not even sure why you would do this. Um, it sounds like he's talking about connecting two radios to talk, like, in the same room. Yeah, it would be nice to have a little bit more uh, information as to what he's trying to do. It, it, I mean, it might be an interesting project, and some of our listeners may have tried that. I don't know if, if anybody... Uh, has used mini modem uh, to do RTTY, then please let us know and we'll let Ryan know. And Ryan, if you're listening, uh, if you can give us a little bit more information, I, I'd just be curious to find out uh, what application he's trying to, to play around with. Yeah, I would, I would too. Because, I mean, with, with RIDI anyway, I've never heard of anyone really using RIDI for short distance communication. The only thing I ever really hear on you know, VHF, UHF is either CW, which is rare, and phone. I mean, I really don't hear a whole lot else. No, I mean, it's not that it's impossible. Um, and and why not try it if you can, just for the hell of it? But uh, indeed, it's not. It's certainly not common. Right. And in, in the upper frequencies, of course, in the United States anyway, all modes are certainly acceptable. So uh, it just doesn't seem to be a widely adopted practice. But uh, if anyone has any ideas about this, uh, let us know, and we will we will let him know. And and this was posted actually over on the Google Plus community. So if you want to answer him directly, uh, you can uh, sign up over there, join the community, and uh, do that if you so choose. 
All right. Next comment uh, we've read uh, from Johnny Kinsey. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mike Robinson, uh, comment on episode 122. I got a lot of comments on episode 122. Just listen to this podcast, uh, 122, of course. Uh, and to talk about the Raspberry Pi, while you said, uh, let's see, while you said that you would not talk much further about it, comma, I just wanted to show you one more option. And this is where he uh, goes back to Olimex.com, triplededub.olimex.com. They are open source hardware and open source software in their products. SBC and Arduino boards. Uh, that's if you care uh, for the open source hardware side of the project. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Mike. We love the podcast too, and we're glad uh, that uh, we're doing some good work. So, yeah, that's uh, two comments on uh, the Olimex products there. So, uh, very interesting indeed. And in the chat room, they're talking about this whole radio over VHF thing. Uh, and KJ6LNH says our Racy's group uses MT632K on VHF to pass traffic in exercises, and it works really well. So that's pretty cool. And uh, KB3CS says uh, he's heard of doing that on FM. Domino EX, uh, which is a ready mode, uh, said to make the most of FM, especially when signals signals aren't full quieting. So oh, that's interesting. Well, there you go. Very cool. So I had no idea, but we're learning. Yeah, yeah. It's this is becoming quite the interactive uh, podcast. Right. I'm getting edumacated. Edumacated, indeed. <laughs> So we also have uh, an email from Frank, uh, Kilo 4 Fox Mike Hotel, who says, uh, Russ, see this report released last week on the ARRL Delta Division's website on clubs. Uh, And he gives a link to the PDF of a report that the Delta Division did on club participation. Uh, He says, 7-3 Frank, Kilo 4 Fox Mike Hotel. And I took a look at this thing, and it's pretty interesting. It it, uh, talks about something we were talking about in the episode about um, clubs being uh, clicky and not terribly inviting to new hams. And uh, we were talking with Jay about this and uh, things like uh, Elmering, fostering goodwill and education in the community for getting people into the hobby and, you know, showing them how it's done, showing them the ropes, getting them interested and all that kind of stuff. And apparently that idea that clubs are not very inviting and very educational to new members is not a new concept. And the report done by the Delta division, uh, sort of reflects that. So the, the URL for that is www.arrldelta.org stroke two zero one three final dot PDF. So if you're interested in finding out all about clubs and about the thoughts that people in the Delta Division anyway have about uh, clubs, uh, ham radio clubs specifically, you might want to check that out. It's only about that particular part of the report is like three or four pages. So it's, so it's not a long read, but it is interesting. I've been hearing the same thing since I've been a ham and, you know, club participation is in decline and, and yada, yada. And I, I, I hear it from our presidents who go to the, uh, the, here, the, the Quebec associations called RACI, Radio Amateur du Québec. And, uh, they have a provincial meeting where all the presidents of all the clubs go and they talk about 
club stuff and, and, and everybody's in decline and everybody's having the same problem. And, and I know it's not just in Quebec. It happens basically all across North America if it's not around the world. Um, I, I'm not willing to say it's around the world, but it's definitely a North American phenom- phenomenon. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's not surprising if they are going to be cliquey that they're going to lose members. I mean, it's, you know, two plus two equals four. It's, it's pretty simple math as far as I'm concerned. The Linux community... I find is the opposite of that. You know, people seem to be people on, on forums or, or in in the lugs. People help you and Elmer you and and you know and it's it's just as technical and it's just as geeky. Um, maybe it's just because most Linux people tend to be younger. You know, programmers tend to be younger than ham radio people, I guess. And ham radio people are all old curmudgeons for the most part. I, I have no idea. I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail. Well, Harrison's going to get a bunch of hate mail now because of me. But, uh, <laughs> so be it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the reason is or what the answer is, but um, at least there's a report about it, so it's it's being discussed anyway. We also got a post on via Google Plus. Google Plus has is kind of been our friend lately. We get a lot of feedback that way and a lot of interesting discussion, which is great. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to sign up. I'm not, not I am signed up. I just have to go there more often. Yeah, you should check it out. It's cool, man. C'est cool, c'est <laughs> yeah, c'est cool. Not not c'est frisky. C'est pas frisky. Uh, Michael Austin over on Google Plus posted, uh, I currently use Ubuntu, but I'm about to redo my entire system. Was curious if someone could suggest a good overall distro. Ironically, part of what makes me not like Ubuntu is that the GUI is a pain. I just assume that have graphics when needed or wanted, but a real server does not have a GUI, or at least not by my definition of a server. Another reason I don't care for Ubuntu is that apparently my system is too old to run version 13 and it keeps wanting to upgrade against my will. And if it ever does, I can't do anything but go back to a bare bones V12 again. I know I should get a better system, but I am currently very underemployed and working with what I have. Now back to Linux in the Hamshack. I have an application for said, but the main page for it is, or might as well be Greek to me that might be of interest to fellow hands. I have downloaded a text version of the King James uh, King James Version translation of the Bible. I guess, yeah, King James Version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but don't care for formatting of the text, i.e. every verse has blah, 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 blah. I would love to say, uh, said to remove some of the unnecessary text and help reformat it. Also, I want to parse through and replace the of and from to de and other CW shortcuts that might work. I would like to parse the said output and convert it into CW audio maybe mp3 that i could then burn an image of and listen to on my commute to work it gives me a reason to improve cw while listening to the good word so where can i get a decent tutorial for said what is said i'm unfamiliar with said said is um what's known as the stream editor it's a script it's a it's basically a language it basically takes input whatever input you hand it runs it through a filter which is defined by the language of said, and then outputs it filtered in some way. So he's wanting to use said to take the King James Bible. Uh, did I say Bible? The Bible. <laughs> the King James Bible. Yeah. That's the new version. The, the, the King James Bible, and then strip out all of the, the meaningless crap so it can be dumped into a format that can be then converted into Morse code audio. Careful. Strip out the meaningless. There's no meaningless crap in the Bible. Come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
uh, strip out the meaningless crap, I'll stand by that, in the Bible and translate it into Morse code. Um, so what I did was I That's sent interesting. Him, yeah, it is interesting. I'm sure that would be useful to somebody. I'm not sure there's a lot of people who really want to listen to the Bible in, in Morse. Well, whether but, it be the Bible or the latest version of CQ magazine, it doesn't matter. It's text, right? Right. So, absolutely. So any any text that you want to throw in there, I, I think that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, you you listen to what's interesting to you. If, if it's interesting, you're going to pay more attention. So if if your thing is the Bible, then go for it. And if your thing is CQ magazine, then go for that. I think the uh, the idea is is fantastic. The crux of it, though, is he wanted to know if there's a tutorial on said. There is, in fact, there's a very good small book written on it called Said and Awk. It's an O'Reilly publication, and I actually have a copy of that in PDF format available, and I sent him where he could download that. So I don't know if he's done that or not, but if he so chooses, he should be able to figure out all there is to know about Said in very short order, because I think it's only like a 30 or 40 page book. He'll be an expert soon, Michael. That's right. And then I'd, I'd actually like to see what becomes of this project. And if he actually sort of genericizes it some way so that you can take any like book as input and convert it to uh, Morse code audio output, that would be really cool. And, I'm, and I think a lot of people might be interested in that. I think you should listen to the Bible. I think you could use some of that. Me? <laughs> says, yeah, says the guy who swears on every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe you could learn something. Who knows? <laughs> I'm actually, uh, I, I grew up in a uh, quite Catholic family, so I'm, I'm rather familiar with the uh, Bible. I'm ultra-Catholic, too Catholic at times, if there's <laughs> such a thing. Well, we should probably leave that alone. Well, that's all right. We talk about everything on this show, even religion. Religion that's is not taboo in our podcast. That's right. Religion, politics, and sex, definitely not taboo. Okay. Uh, all in the same conversation, all in the same sentence, usually. <laughs> Whenever possible. <laughs> so anyway, uh, who was that again? That was Michael Austin. Thanks oh, awesome. thanks so much for the comment, and I hope you uh, got some information about said and uh, your project comes to fruition. Thanks for uh Yeah, and give us some feedback. Let us know how that works out. I'd be uh, interested to see how that goes. Very much so. Uh, we also have a comment from episode 123 from David Kilo Echo Zero Alpha Zulu. He says, hi, guys. I really enjoyed episode 123. Thanks for having Jay on. I would never have run across his YouTube channel accidentally. 7-3, David Kilo Echo Zero Alpha Zulu. So good. Yeah. One one note of confidence for the, the interview with Jay, which I thought was really fun. So it was an awesome interview. I, I never would have run across his stuff either and, and I thought that was fantastic. Uh I've I've been to his YouTube channel a couple of times and his uh his videos are strangely addictive. So uh, I think you guys should check it out. I think that I think that was a fantastic episode. Yep, I do too. We have a, a comment here from Harrison, V two HKW. Who says uh, we we were commenting about um, listening to episode number seven eight nine and uh, why is six afraid of seven yeah why is six afraid of seven because seven, seven eight nine eight, nine that's right and the most interesting well let me read his comment uh, he says there are six hundred and sixty six I know it's creepy episodes between this episode and seven eight nine episode seven eight nine will be recorded in the latter part of twenty forty. I'm 17 now. It'd be 43, or he'd be 43 when it's recorded. Your statistical yeah. friend, Harrison, Victor Echo 2, Hotel Kilo Whiskey. He emailed me telling me that I'd be like something like 70 years old by then. So. Yep, that's how old I'll be. I'll be seven, yeah, about 70 years old. But I thought what was most interesting about his comment, to me anyway, 
was when he made or when you made the comment originally or when someone made the comment originally about recording episode number 789, I said, that'll probably be in 2040 or something. And it turns out that's exactly when it would be. <laughs> Very nice. So, and as an interesting segue, two, uh, two feedbacks ago, we mentioned the Bible. And now we're talking about 666, the number of the beast. So coincidence? I think not. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is entirely coincidence. <laughs> Everything is a coincidence. So, <clears throat> but anyway, thanks, Harrison, for that. That's it's kind of yeah, interesting. Very cool. I can't believe I hit the nail on the head. I mean, I just threw out twenty forty because it sounded like it might be close, and it, <laughs> it just turns out it's exactly right. Anyway, we have one more comment from uh, that guy, and that's exactly what it said on the comment uh, on episode number one twenty one. So we have no idea who that guy is. But I bet that guy knows exactly who that guy is. He says, well, I'm not really experienced with any of them. I have the Raspberry Pi, the Arduino Mega, and the Parallax Propeller Quick Start. Apparently, it's another board that we need to look at. The Propeller has an 8-core processor, and while it isn't open source, the company seems supportive of open software. So going back to my earlier comment about a bunch of these boards that are popping up that we need to look at uh, by way of comparison and contrasting, uh, here is yet another one. So Yet another, indeed. It's going to be a long episode. It is, but I bet it's going to be a really interesting one. So uh, look forward to uh, hardware analysis of a bunch of single board computers coming up, and I, I'm interested to do the, the research on it because I think it'll be really interesting. So hopefully it'll be just as interesting to listen to once that's all done with. Yeah, another idea for an episode, we could have like a, a round table and get all these, you know, somebody who's a Raspberry Pi freak and then get the Arduino King and the Parallax Propeller Guru and we'll just put them in an arena and have them fight it out, you know, verbally, of course. That, yeah. That's kind of awesome. And I think we have, I have enough pull in the community where I could probably find these people and get them to come on the show. So That would be cool. And everybody could give their own uh, opinions, and, and yeah, that would be neat. I know Mike uh, into HTT, who's uh, very often in the chat room, has played around with the Arduino, I believe, and the Raspberry Pi, so he'd be a good candidate right there. Yep. Well, we will see what we can do, and maybe we'll do it as a hangout. Um, Putting you on the spot there, Mike. Yeah. We do it as a hangout and record it that way, then we can have a lot more people participate, which should be interesting. That'd be cool. Yeah, that was fun, too. Got to do another one of those. Yep. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely do another one. I've got one scheduled for Thursday night. I didn't. I think you said you would be able to participate in that. So on this coming Thursday. Yeah. Twentieth. Uh huh. That's not on my what time? <laughs> That's oh, not on my agenda. Oh, I was <laughs> talking to you right because now. it's going to be really late. It's going to be like eleven. Starts at eleven o'clock your time. And at you night. Said, yeah, at night. What are you crazy? <laughs> up at five in the morning. You said you said Friday was your easy day. Apparently, it's not that easy. <laughs> It's easy. It's just not easy getting up at five, no matter how easy my day is. Actually, I'm not working Friday. I have a doctor's appointment, so I could sleep in. Yeah, I could probably make that. 11 p.m., my time, huh? Yep. Okay, I'm penciling you in. Okay. Well, if you're there, you're great. If not, no, no big deal. It was, it was the end of the Indiegogo campaign. Is It ends at 2 a.m., my time, on Friday morning. So Were you going to let me know? I, or it's I, just an accident. Now you're forced to invite me because you feel bad because you. I talked to you about it weeks ago. Well, weeks ago, I forget things. <laughs> I, I forgot what you said an hour ago. <laughs> so anyway, now Cheryl's we have. Up now. Yeah, we have to wake up Cheryl. Wait, waiting, waiting, <laughs> waiting. <laughs> She's choking the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for Russ to stop saying waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what you have to do. It's the social media roundup. So 
There we go. Okay. For this episode, we have the following people in our donations and subscriptions area. Jeremy Hall signed up for monthly. Scott Pettigrew signed up for monthly. John Clark signed up for a yearly membership. And he's a brand new person to join us. So, yay. Bill Arcan signed up for monthly. Bill Hyatt signed up for monthly. Gary Oots signed up for monthly. And Johnny Kinsey signed up for yearly. And our social media roundup, we have Sterling Coffee, who joined us on Facebook. On Google+, Plus, we have the Udu Board. The Udu Terry Board has e- joined. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's alive. It is. It's alive, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Terry Heatley, or Heatly, however it's pronounced. Corey Martin, Ron Isaacson, and Bryce C. On Twitter, we have Osage County, Oklahoma, A-R-E-S. Sean Cavanaugh, Taylor Galloway, Dwayne Lytle, Jordan, and Sterling Coffee. Nobody joined up on the mailing list this time. Aww. And on Cafe Press, we sold something to James Newman. Yay. And nothing on Print Fiction. Yep, James Newman's know. been busy. Sterling he Co- has I been. I know that name. I know Sterling Coffee. Why do I know that name? I don't know. I think he's in the chat room. His his call sign is N0SSC. And if I'm not mistaken, he is in the chat room as we speak. Excellent. Maybe he runs a net or something. Oh, I guess he's gone now. He he, he disconnected. But he was in earlier. I saw him. He was there. It's not a figment of my imagination. Else. I'm not going crazy. I might be thinking of somebody else. <laughs> Strolling Coffee does sound familiar, though. I might have to check that out. Um, you, you read Jordan's name and I didn't have his last name cause I didn't know it when I put this in originally, but his last name is Rep Logal, Jordan Rep Logal. He is, um, uh, recently joined us on Twitter and he was the one who won the raspberry pie, uh, last episode. So, and I've got that all packaged up with his name on it and it's going out in the mail tomorrow. So he should receive it shortly. Sterling coffee. I wonder if he's the guy who runs the youth and amateur radio net. N0SSC, that's his call sign. Questioning myself now. Meet new ARL youth editor, Sterling Coffee, N0SSC. There you go. That's why I know the name. There you go. Okay. I read that somewhere. Well, guess what? The ARL youth editor is now a listener of this program. Very cool. Yep. All right. Maybe we'll get some some plugs with the ARL. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, guess what? We're done. Show's over. All right. Except for the exit, I mean, so I uh, guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, woohoo! I mean, uh <laughs> Badger. Hey. Hey. Hey, yeah, hey. Hey, hey. I think we're done. I guess I'm ready to start the outro music, and you're, oh, crap. My world's falling apart. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, that's, I'll start. going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Do you, do you ever? I'm curious now. Now that you've brought that up, I'm curious if you ever wonder what the episode, why the episodes are titled, what they're titled. I I do, but <laughs> but then I just let it go. Sometimes it's more obvious than others, and sometimes I'm just like, what? <laughs> well, there's all there's always a reason. Sometimes I'm not even I, sure what the reason is, but there's always a reason. <laughs> well, I, I know it. I mean, like I said, sometimes it's very, very obvious. You know, like the worst episode ever, I remember, it was, it was one of the comments during the show. And um, sometimes it has to do with the, you know, sometimes it's an interesting play on words on what's gone on, too, which is uh, they're, they're always entertaining anyways. And they certainly pique my interest. Uh, well, the last one busted for J-casting should be pretty obvious. Um, yeah. 
the, the Russian woodpecker, obviously that one's pretty obvious. Um, I don't know. I got to go back. Well, Obscure, but obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I think we mentioned it. Oh, well, actually, no, we talked about it. Uh, we did talk about it. You actually mentioned it. So I'm a big fan of the Russian woodpecker. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of it. I just, it was just an interesting uh, little tidbit of, of history in, in the ham radio community. You know, everybody, all the old hams know the Russian woodpecker. And, yeah. and when I first heard about it, I, I had no idea what it was. So I read the story and just thought, oh, it's, it's really, it was fascinating. And this thing was, this thing was massive. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Anyways. Sounds like a, sounds like a soundbite there. I'm a fan of the Russian woodpecker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it was massive. <laughs> Cause it was massive. Oh, thank you for that. Now I'm going to put that together. <laughs> and you know what? The best thing, part about that is it's exactly the words you said in the order you said them. There's just sort of the I'm bit. I'm not that- even worried because I say all <laughs> kinds of stupid things and you keep saying, well, there's another soundbite, but I haven't heard one yet. So I'm not worried. The thing is, I, remember I said there was a soundbite and I actually, you know, said I was going to like write down the time, the time mark. And I did it, but now I'm trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not worried. I could say all kinds of stupid things, and I'm safe. Wait, wait, wait. You just keep playing Jerry. Being a sellout makes things a lot easier. <laughs> hey, I've made it. No, that wasn't I'm the one. now. This is the one right here. I'm the king of bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Uh, good times, good times. Yeah. All right, I'm going to start the music. You start talking. All right, everyone. Uh, great episode as usual. Thanks for being there. Please check out our website, lhspodcast.info, where you can become an ambassador by visiting the website. You can see what the upcoming events are and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at your nearby Linux Con or Ham Fest. You can send us an email info at lhspodcast.info leave us a voicemail we love voicemail 1-909-LHS-SHOW that's 1-909-547-7469 hate mail for all the stupid things that I say I read it to Harrison thanks Harrison you can send those to uh, hate mail at lhspodcast.info get any hate mail though so that's a good thing uh, subscribe to the mailing list the, the mailing list the mailing list also on the website uh, please go to Cafe Press and Print Infection check out and buy some of our show merchandise some pretty cool stuff in there uh, each purchase helps out the show uh, you can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored links link on the sponsored ad, sorry, on the right-hand uh, column of the homepage. Every time you click on one of our sponsors, a little bit of money comes into our kitty. So that helps us out and helps out the sponsors. Uh, so that's www.cafepress.com slash podcast and www.printfection.com slash podcast. You can uh, listen to us live every other Tuesday. Next show is in two weeks, 14 days, uh, 8 p.m. Central Time. That's Wednesday, 0200 Zulu. Recording schedule and countdown timer, which works properly now, I must say. Thanks, Russ, for fixing that. Uh, for the next episode, is on the website. Thanks to all of our listeners live in Quasi Live. Looking forward to see you guys again in a fortnight. My name's Pete. Victor Equitu, X-Ray, Papa Lima in Montreal, beautiful Montreal, Canada, saying goodnight, y'all, and we'll see you in two weeks. Take it away, Russ. All right, this is Russ, K5TUX. I'm on all the social media networks. J.R. Woodman, you can find me. Also, K5TUX at 73s.org. And uh, Cheryl, say goodbye to the people. Or not. Goodbye, people. Bye, people. Bye, people. All right, that's been episode 124 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Thank you to all the people who sent us 
feedback for all the people who have donated to our Indiegogo campaign and for listening to our show. I have been live from between the peaks in the pine forests of north central Arkansas. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. See you later. Bye-bye. And we're out. Out of what? T- luck, time, chicken, and money.